Hello and welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. In this episode, we review the wild and heartwarming weekend that was the Argentinian Grand Prix. I'm your host, Matt Polanski. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MattPolanski1 and Twitch at GameStopper0734. You follow Josh at WilsonJ194 on Twitter and Bunno at BunnoGP underscore on Twitter and BunnoGP on Instagram. And you're probably wondering why I didn't throw it to them. Because I'm all by myself tonight. Uh, Josh had work tonight, and Bono was rehearsing with his band. So I told him, I'll handle this one. You guys have the night off. So we're going to see how this goes. You guys got just me for this episode. But we still have a lot to talk about. So we're going to get into what we start every episode off with. And that's the news, which this race coming into this weekend had a bunch of news. Well, not so much a bunch of news. But one big piece of news, and that was the fact that uh, during the transportation of the freight from Indonesia to Argentina, one of the planes broke down in Africa. This ended up causing a lot of teams to not get their on time. It would have been Thursday. Um, teams like Grassini had nothing. Um, VR46, nothing. Um to the point when the uh, press conferences started on Thursday, Ane Bashini had the clothes that were with him, and they had a few things, but that was about it. Um, some teams, like I think uh, Miguel Oliveira, only had one of his bikes, but not another one. Um, so it was a real issue, and what ultimately happened was that one of the planes broke down, so they sent another plane to go pick that stuff up, then that plane broke down. So teams didn't weren't going to get their stuff anytime soon, which then caused MotoGP to think on their feet quickly, and they decided to cancel Friday and have it as a giant fan fest, pretty much, and then do a Super Saturday, which... I will say it's an interesting concept. I, it is interesting to see how they did it. Uh, this is not something I would want to see every weekend. Um, it, it was cool that the fans kind of got to interact with some of the riders. Uh, MotoGP had videos going up on YouTube and all sorts of social medias all day Friday of just riders coming out and doing Q&As and talking with fans. It, it, it was a neat experience. Um, maybe if they did something like that on a Thursday of a normal weekend, that might be something cool. Uh, but then that left Saturday being an all day session. It started early in the morning and didn't stop until late afternoon. And it was just free practice, free practice, qualifying, qualifying. And it, it was, it was a neat thing to see, but again, I wouldn't want to see this every weekend. I feel like it really rushed saturday um you know you usually on like a saturday you can sit down you watch your free practice threes or free practice four for MotoGP, and then you watch qualifying and that's it you got the rest of your day where this setup more seemed like you're gonna sit down all day saturday and you're gonna be watching MotoGP all day and for some people that might be great. Um, I know, you know, Superbike fans would probably be a big fan of this because World Superbike and Moto America are the same way, where it's it's an all day event. Other people might not like it, so 
it was definitely interesting. But with all that being said, you know, it, there really wasn't much else going on because of all the freight issues. We didn't have, you know, the uh, free practices were extended by 15 minutes. We, but they cut other free practices. So the, it was really weird because while there was a lot to talk about, it wasn't as spread out as it usually is. So it was, it, it almost, it was a weird feeling. You know, Friday there was barely there was barely anything to talk about, and then Saturday there was just everything. Where on a normal weekend it, it just feels more spread out. Um, like I said, maybe f- it, it's an interesting concept, and maybe for certain races it might do well. This might be a good way of doing it. Uh, I know Simon Peterson asked multiple times uh, between the press conference that they had with the MotoGP commissioner. And uh, with some of the riders, he asked the same question of, would you rather see this style of weekend? And I, like I said, I don't think I would. Um, it, it seemed too packed. It seemed too, like you, you really just had to dedicate your whole Saturday uh, to MotoGP, which, you know, for some people, it's fine. But for someone like myself, I, I, I would rather have my short, Span a MotoGP and then have the rest of my day. Um, but that was pretty much it for the news. Um, so going into Moto3, Moto3, uh, we had a podium of Garcia, Fadja, and Sasaki. Uh, this race really came down pretty much to the tail of two halves, you could say. Uh, this was a 21 lap race but from lap 1 to lap 10 it was a battle between Guevara and Garcia eventual winner and it it was Guevara had the lead for most of that time for most of those 10 laps and then as he came out of turn 4 onto the back straightaway he had a technical issue and that was soul crushing to watch he had been doing so well i said in a previous episode he was my dark horse for moto 3 i thought he was going to do really well this season um and he is doing really well it's just it was so sad to see him go in that like go out of this race in that fashion you know he deserved more i felt um they didn't they haven't said what the issue was with the bike at least i haven't seen anything um you know, he like he just came out, sat up. Um, uh, luckily, he didn't get hit from behind because he had riders uh, right behind him. I think uh, Mino was behind him. Uh, Garcia was right behind him. So he's lucky he didn't get hit, but he sort of just looked at the bike and had no power. So it, it, that was really sad to see. Um, the other, after that incident, the next big thing that we saw was when Mino got tied up with Masia. So this was coming into the turn 13-14 area. And it was one of those things where, as you watched it, it almost seemed like each rider felt they were entitled to their area on the track. And that one area was where they were both trying to go. Um... Mino went down and did not get back on the bike. Masia got uh, back on his bike, 
did one more lap, and then came in and retired. And uh, Mino, as he was walking back, Massey had passed him coming into pit lane, and they sort of like threw hand gestures at each other. Massey gets back to the pit box. He's clearly upset, goes back into the pit. But then Mino stops at his pit box, almost like he wanted to keep arguing it. It was hard to tell. You know, he just sort of stood there like he was looking for Masia to come out or, you know, was waiting for him. And Akiyo finally went up and talked to Mino. Um, nothing has been said about what went, what was said between them. Um, it's, it's a racing incident, but you can understand why each of them are upset. They both, like I said, it seemed like they both felt they were entitled to that piece of track. So right off the bat on this race, we had a Yuma Sasaki given a long lap penalty. Uh, it was for infractions, I think in a free practice session or might've been a qualifying session. Um, which he managed to take that long lap penalty and work it at his lowest point throughout the race was all the way down in 18th place at the end of lap two. And he managed to work his way back up to a podium finish. That is just some almost, I I don't want to say a cost level, but that's some, Impressive driving. I mean, we saw Pedro Costa last year come from pit lane and win a race. But even still, to go to get a long lap penalty, drop to 18th place. It, as soon as he hit that 18th place, it looked like his race was over. You know, it was. It looked like it was one of those things where try to get a, what points you can and be thankful of that. But he took that and just went a step further with it. Which is why Bono is giving him his rider of the day for Moto Three. Bono stated, uh, "Long lap penalty and rode so well for the last few laps. Didn't get frustrated after dropping back with a penalty." Which, I mean, can't say better than that. You know, it's it's hard. It's easy to forget uh, that these are young riders, and they can sometimes get it in their head when a penalty like this happens. Of you know they they feel like it's undeserved uh, that the that MotoGP is out to punish them. So it really shows a lot for Sasaki to be able to put his head down to really just fight for that win or at least podium. Um, Josh also giving his rider of the day to Sasaki, uh, stating yeah pretty much what what Albano said. Uh, I on the other hand am gonna give it to Sergio Garcia, the race winner. Don't care. You know, uh, yeah, you know, taking the easy road out. But the reason I'm doing that, the last lap, so once Guevara went down or went out of the race, Garcia pretty much had the lead once Mino you know, and Masia crashed out. Well, Dennis Faggio was coming and was not giving Garcia the win easily. And on the last lap with about four or five corners to go Garcia was out of the was in third place he was not going to have be on was not going to win and may not have been on the podium but he was able to put his head down and for that sector four pass two riders 
and take the win out of the final corner. And for that, Sergio Garcia gets my rider of the day. Who was your rider of the day? Let us know in the comments on Twitter and Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback. You know, do you have do you believe it's somebody else? Do you believe it should have been someone like Ricardo Rossi on the 658 Squadra Corsa bike? I mean, you know, he definitely deserves an honorable mention. Um, you know, that bike is looking a little off. You look at where his uh, teammate finished, uh, Alonzo Fallon. He finished 19th, but Ricardo Rossi able to get it on fourth, able to get those points. And as for the Moto3 Ch- Riders Championship, the g- new leader is Garcia. Uh, followed by Dennis Foggia and Izan Guevara maintains third place even after wrecking out. And for the Moto3 Rookie of the Year classification, classification, well, God, uh, Diego Moriera uh, takes the Rookie of the Year lead for Moto3 after taking 10 points away from this weekend. So that does it for Moto3. Moving on to Moto2. We had a podium of Celestino Vietti, Somcat Chantra, and Ayagura. And I I feel like I would be doing this race an injustice if we didn't give a shout out to Femin Aldegar, who got, mind you, is 16. Think of what you were doing when you were 16. You know, I was not even learning to drive yet. This kid is getting pole positions in Moto2. You know, he competed in Moto E a little bit last year, gets to call up to Moto2, and in his third race is already getting podiums and battling for wins. On lap six, with, I don't know if you call it, want to call it a tussle, he's with Celestino Vietti, he gets taken out in a wreck that looks like it was something out of the MotoGP video game. Um, they were coming into turn, they were coming through turn 13. Vietti runs wide, tries to regain the racing line. Aldegar's coming up the inside, and Vietti make contact with him. Aldegar's bike does a complete 360 with him on top of it, and eventually chucks him off. And I don't know how this isn't a penalty. Mind you, this is my opinion. Vietti like lost was off the racing line. Aldegar is coming up the inside to make the move. It is on Vietti to take that corner wider, not to come back in. He know these are professionals. The yes, they are Moto Two riders. They are still learning. They have been doing this long enough. They know when a rider is behind them. They know how far behind the rider is behind them. To think that he wasn't aware Aldegar was tr- going to make that move up the inside is just, I, I don't believe it. If he could sit there and say he doesn't know, and I, I don't believe it. You know, you, anytime you are in a race, you, ha- you have to constantly know where everyone is around you because if you hit somebody, if you make contact with them, race direction is going to look at. It. And the fact that race direction did nothing just baffles me. Uh, you know, after that, 
Vietti only lost the lap for or lead for one lap to Chantra, and it, I just I don't understand it. Um, but speaking of Chantra, I I have to give it up to him. This is a guy that not many people had on the radar. I mean, they, they know he's, you know, he's good, but compared to his teammate, Ayagura, who everyone is talking about the successor to Nakagami, you know, is the next big thing for Honda. Chantra uh, two weekends in a row is now making his name known and making himself a contender. And if, if he continues the way he's going, Honda's going to have a big problem on her hand. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem because you're, as a Japanese manufacturer, you've got a Japanese rider who still finished third, still got a podium. You know, got to give it up to Iger for coming in third. But now you've got a teammate who has won a race and got a second. And is he going to keep this up? Is Can he keep this performance going? You know, it, I think if he can, this could spell some trouble in Team Honda land, especially if Nakagami doesn't improve. That's the other part of that. Um, Aaron Connect gets fourth. Got to talk about the bow time man. Um, you know, he. This was one of those races where he, compared to the riders ahead of him, you you were almost feeling like. He knew he wasn't going to get that podium. He would like to. But towards the end of the race, he just knew he wasn't going to catch them. So it's turned into more of a championship race where it's maximize points. Don't fall off. Get what you can. Uh, Jake Dixon finished fifth. Dixon was coming for this podium. Got past Kinnett. Kinnett got back to got the fourth place back. but. I think, you know, and Matt Bird even said a few more laps in this race. Dixon may have had something. It seemed like he saved the tires, was able to put a late charge on this race. So, and that is why Bono is giving Dixon his rider of the day, you know, being the biased boy that he is. Um, he wrote it, but if it wasn't for his turn four blunder at the end of the back straight, he would have been right there, right up there at the top. But even besides that, showed great pace and brought home a solid P5. And yeah, I, you know, he he could have done this. He could have gotten to the podium. Like I said, you know, Bart even said a few more laps. He, he you know, without that script, a few more laps, he's probably in the podium. But you know, it was just. You know, there were five riders or four riders better than him. Um, Josh, given his rider of the day to Chantra, another strong performance off the back of his win in Asia, proving that he is more than a match for his teammate and that Mandalika wasn't a one-off result. And just like I said, you know, with Igora in the box next to him, you know, everyone's looking to Igora, 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 and you know, Chantra's making his name known. He he's definitely making. He you know he's definitely looking for more than being the second rider at Edmundson Team Honda. Um, 
my rider of the day is going to be... Uh, I'm going to go Pedro Acosta. Uh, Acosta starting 17th place and managing to get it up to 7th. Uh, I think that's a really solid performance for a track he's never been to on a bike. He's still trying to get all the come to terms with. Um, so I feel like with that, you know, that's about as good as a result as you can get, especially when you look at who's up ahead of him. You know, and you're starting to see a pattern in Moto2. You know, Vietti is taking a dominant lead in the Riders' Championship with 70 points. Aaron Kinnett with 49. Chant- yeah, Chantra with 45 points in third place. And I, this is, I, it's still early. We're three races in. And everyone keeps saying, uh, once we get to Europe, I think, yeah, that's when the Royal Championship starts. But so far, Vietti is coming out of this with 70 points. So he's got a first, a second, and a first place. He's making a strong contention for whenever they get back to Europe. Um, you know, you're starting to see, you're seeing Aaron Kinnett up either on the podium or close to the podium. That is... If you won a championship, that's what you got to do. You got it. You either got to finish on the podium or just near it, um, and hope that your opponent, your the people you're battling, can follow. Chantra make it a strong contention. Igura, uh, yeah, I was staying up there. Looking now at the British and U.S. boys, uh, we said Dixon got a fifth place. Sam Lowe's tenth place. Bobby eleventh. Joe Roberts thirteenth. So. Not the best weekend. Dixon did good, but yeah, a lot of sort of middle of the road. They all got points, but yeah, kind of would hope to see better from them. Um, that'll do it for Moto Two, Moto GP. You have to talk about Alesh and Martin's battle. This was almost Martin's race to win. He led for from lap one to lap 20 and held Alesh at bay for most of the race. There was a couple incidents, especially into turn five at the end of the back straight where Alesh would get the run and would move over and start them and make the pass under braking, but was coming into hot going wide. And then Martin would get it back. Um, at one point I want to say it was like around lap 10 or so. Uh, Alesh started making a few mistakes and you watched that gap grow and you almost were like, oh, I guess that's it. And then Alesh just came back and got all, every second back and kept pushing for that win. And when he crossed that line, you know, most of the riders, when they cross the line, they're shaking their head, they're pumping their feet. He didn't do anything. And he just sat up and pulled out, he made turn one, and then pulled over and sat there. And you could just see, through a helmet, the wave of emotion coming over this man. You know, is always one of those people in the paddock where it said he wears his heart on his sleeve. He shows his emotions. And uh, the MotoGP Unlimited series showed a lot of that. It showed that he is very critical of the team and the bike and himself and 
just does not hide his emotions, which you could see that. It, like, you know, even when he was in the post-race interviews, just he, you know, he was on the phone with his wife and Crayfar's trying to get the interview with him, and he's up and then kneeling back down, and he's back up and then he's kneeling back down, talking to his wife. You know, and there was a camera angle as he's doing that where he's got the phone in his right hand and he's talking to his wife, but you could just see all him like through his arm. You could almost see him crying. You know that he finally got this. Paul was crying at the end of the race. Um, Paul crashing out of this race on lap fourteen. Um, yeah, was got to get back to the box and sit there and watch his brother do this. And it, it was funny because at a certain point, watching Paul watch Alesh, uh, watch Alesh's race, you you could you you could tell Paul wasn't out there racing, but at the same time was just so you know, overcome with emotion watching his big brother finally get that win and finally what he pay, what Alish has worked so hard for to finally pay off. Um, but you know, all that being said, you kind of feel sorry for Martin because he worked so hard, like I said, 20 laps. That's one lap short of a whole Moto3 race. He led this whole race and really made Alesh work for this. But if anyone could finish second, it was Martin because, you know, there, there's all been all this stuff about Alesh and Martin living in Andorra near each other and Alesh almost being like a big brother to Martin and helping him get established and being friends with him. And, you know, it's one of those things. If there was anybody, sure, everyone would have loved to see Paul finish behind Alesh. And that would have been just an amazing moment. And for a little while, it looked that way. Uh, You know, Paul was in third place for a little while. He lost that to Rins at lap seven. Uh, You know, stayed in fourth place before crashing. Um, But if anyone else could have finished behind Alesh other than Paul, maybe Maverick, it would be Martin. And you just love, especially in the post-race interview, when um, Martin was just praising so much for what Alesh had just done and everything that he had gone through, that Alesh has gone through, and just, you know, watching that pay off. This, this was such an amazing moment. I, it's, and I know I've been toggling, but it's almost hard to put into words what it was like because you love to see those underdog stories you love to see you know the team that was down and out for years you know when Aprilia came back in they were horrible they they barely had a bike and it was through the rules that MotoGP put into place where a team could come in and didn't have to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to get to where some of the bigger teams are that allowed Aperia to get to this point, you know, and Aleish came in after his time with Suzuki, you know, and outrode a lot of really good riders. You look at some of the riders that he was paired up with in this team, and it almost seemed like Aleish was a, a test rider and was there just to help develop the bike. And then it was eventually like, well, thanks, Aleish. 
you know, thanks for helping us build this bike and we're going to go give it to this better rider. But Aleish has been there. He's worked his ass off to get this team to where it is. He worked his, his ass off to get this bike to where it is. And a lot of that came through in the MotoGP Unlimited series. You know, how hard he's worked. And to watch all those years of pain and suffering and to the point where years a few years ago, Aleish was going to quit. He was calling it, he was going to retire. For him to stick with it and to finally get this first uh, MotoGP victory. And it just, it gets that monkey off his back. And now we can finally quit hearing this thing of how Aleish has been doing this for so long. This was his 200th race. And I think that makes it all the more sweeter. He, on his 200th anniversary, he gets that win. You know, and everybody couldn't quit saying, well, Aleish has never won a race. Well, now he has. And now it, that's done. Um, a couple other noticeable performances in this race. Alex Renz gets a podium. Josh can't make fun of him this weekend. We, we've said it before. Renz was a meme last season. He was a, a joke. Pretty much, you know, he he. It seems like he's actually gotten his head on his shoulders, where he is. He sees what it takes to win a championship. That last year he pushed too hard, and now this year he is taking what he can get. He's not pushing harder than he needs to. He got the podium this this weekend. Um, Juan Mir finished fourth, uh, right behind Rins, about five tenths of a second off. So. Mir was coming for this one. Um, it just, you know, a couple laps too short. Uh, Banyaya finished fifth place. Finally, a good finish for Banyaya. I mean, first two races were not good. You know, falling off in guitar, the wet race at Mandalika. Finally gets a good, you know, finish. Gets those valuable podium points. You know, he had one point coming into this race. So that was a good one. Um, Brad Bender finished sixth. You know, st- keeping those uh, points coming and you know getting those valuable points that you know. And every- I said it before. Everyone's saying, "Oh, well, the you know the first four races, those are those are like one offs. It's when we get here. These points right now will matter. Yes, you have to go back a few years to find a championship winner who was leading after the first three races." of the season, but you know, these points do matter and it's, you know, a championship is built on a good foundation and these po- points here can be a good foundation to a championship season. If they can keep it going into uh, Europe, Maverick Vinales finished seventh, another good finish for an Um, you know, was, throughout the weekend, it just seemed like the Aprilia was up there. Was going to do good. Uh, this is definitely one of the better finishes that Maverick has had on the Aprilia. Uh, so, yeah, got to give it to that. Fabio finishing eighth. Again, Yamaha is not looking good this season. And Fabio was clearly upset, according to some of the reporters in the paddock. You know, he was very upset with with Yamaha, with the performance this weekend, with the performance of the bike. And... You know, we're going to have to wait and see how it goes on next weekend in Coda. You know, there, there were, there's been talks of upgrades coming at some point, but it's 
sound like those aren't coming till Magello. So we'll have to see with that. Marco Bezecchi finished ninth. You know, takes the top place in the Rookie of the Year Championship for MotoGP. This was a really good performance from him. Uh, you know, rode out of his mind, which is why Bono is giving Bezecchi his rider of the day. Uh, wrote, was sent wide at the first corner and put near the back, managed to scrape his way through to P9. Solid result considering the machine he's on and the fact that he's a rookie. Also, a shout out to the Suzuki boys. Once again, consistent people are quick to forget how good of an all around package they have. You know, and like we said before, like I said before, Suzuki doing real well this weekend, finishing with a 3 4. Going to Josh's rider of the day, Josh is taking the simple route and going Alesh. He says, I don't even care if he was the winner. He deserves rider of the day in all honesty. And yes, yes, he does. Uh, I'm going to give mine to, as much as I would love to give it to Alesh, uh, yeah, I'm going to let Josh have that one. I'm going to give it to Jorge Martin. Led 20 laps. Gave it everything he got. Just Alesh was that little bit faster. Um, but Martin, Alesh, you know, it, like I said before, if anyone could have finished second to Alesh, Martin is one of the top three. You would want to be that person. Just how much gratitude Martin showed towards Alesh afterwards. It really shows what a class act Jorge Martin does. Or, oh, yeah, Jorge Martin is. Uh, so looking at the championship, Alicia Sparrow now leads the Ryder Championship, followed by Brad Bender and Anaya Bastianini. I keep saying this, but if you would have told us at the beginning of the season, after three rounds, one two in the cha- Ryder Championship is an Aprilia and a KTM, we would have told you you're lying. Like, you know, okay, well. How did the rest of the paddock fall off the face of the earth for these two to be a one-two? But this is the season we're in, and we all pretty much just uh, got to take it. I I don't know. Maybe a Moto2 bike wins the MotoGP race next in Coda. I don't know. Something's going to happen. Looking at MotoGP Fantasy, this was a wild weekend. Uh, top three are Roy's Road Racers. Wow. Uh, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> I don't even think this is a name. I think it's just they like fell asleep on their laptop. The name is spelled N N A L U B A A L E. Not not even gonna try to pronounce that. Uh, third pace is East G Grand Prix. Uh, myself finished thirty sixth. And looking at the top three overall, now we have in first place Wally eighty seven. In second place, Tex Team, and in third place, Under Gods. Wow, I had to look at that one. Uh, Josh is now up to seventh place. I uh, got to scroll down here. I am 36th place. And got to click add more. Bono is 43rd. So you, a lot of you are kicking mine and Bono's ass. Uh, Josh is making a run for the lead, apparently, to you know try to save some grace for the Red Sector podcast. Uh, if you want to be a part of the Red Sector MotoGP Fantasy, just go on to MotoGP Fantasy, 
search red sector we're the only one that comes up uh we now have 68 people in here we keep growing week by week it's great to see we'd love seeing more of you get in here uh so please come join us see if you can kick our asses too so that'll do it for MotoGP fantasy moving along we're gonna do a i'm gonna do a quick i keep saying we <laughs> i'm gonna do a quick preview of coda um and i feel like a lot of this weekend comes down to if Mark comes to the race. It's There was images coming out today where he was getting on a CBR, so it looks like he's starting to test again. There has not been any thing coming out about if how, his, how those tests went, how his diploma is. Um, this race will come down to if Mark shows up. Um, you know, the the last time we were here, there was a lot of controversy about the bumps in the track. Uh, those seem to have been fixed. I know there was a NASCAR race at Coda uh, last month or so. Um, didn't hear any reports from that, that there was any issues with the track or the bumps. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what MotoGP is like once they get there uh, this weekend. Also, MotoGP is with Moto America, so there's going to be a ton of racing at Coda. Um, I feel like coming into this, this it, this race is up in the air. You know, it, like I said, it all comes down to if Mark shows up. If he doesn't, it, at this rate, I don't even know who's going to win. It it could be DG at this point with all the stuff we've seen so far this race or this season. You know, we've seen Anea get a first win on a new bike. We've seen, you know, Oliveira on a KTM, a bike we all thought was garbage, get a win in the wet. Uh, you know, we saw Aleish finally bring the Aprilia to where, you know, it into its own. So who the hell knows what's going to happen in this next race? Uh, it'll definitely be an interesting one. Um, it will definitely be a uh, interesting race to see. Um, we will have to wait in the upcoming news. Um, prep co press conference is scheduled for Thursday, so hopefully we hear some stuff before then about if Mark will show up. Um, so far, there I've been checking Twitter all day. There has not been any update about what Mark's condition is, how those tests went. Um, so we will have to see about that. But I've think that does it for today um i hope i didn't bore you guys too much uh this has definitely been an interesting podcast as i stare at myself in the camera all by myself um please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review on your podcast app of choice uh please be sure to follow us on twitter and instagram at red sector gp be sure to follow myself at Matt Polanski one on Twitter and Instagram and GameStopper0734 on Twitch. Be sure to follow Josh at WilsonJ194 and Bunno at GP underscore on Twitter and Bunno GP on Instagram. That'll do it for today. And with that, keep the throttle pinned.